0: This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissick. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissick. Welcome to our guest interview today. I'm here with Chris Argent from Generation CFO. This is a community of over 100,000 members growing rapidly, produce experiences, content, thought leadership, and interviews for their community, peer learning, and advice on how to survive in the CFO accounting world. Have I got that just
1: about right, Chris? Yeah, I, I could give you the elevator pitch, but it's uh, that that's about right. We're here to champion finance leadership teams in, in industry. Yeah, and we've had you
0: on the show before. We talked about the CFO space. In some ways, how it's very similar to what the accountants are doing, and uh, you put it really well in that it's meeting business demand. Isn't that what accountants are doing for their clients? And isn't that what CFOs are doing for their employers? So uh, it makes good sense. What kind of shape do you feel the CFO accounting profession is in right now, given all that's going on, Chris?
1: I think they're in great shape. um, But I do think that there's a lot of change that they're managing at the moment. You know, we've we've been through the mill over the last couple of years with the pandemic. Um, I think that's probably led to a bit of a storm brewing now um, in that there's more demand for us than ever. There's more change required than ever. And um, and we're, we're struggling with that change a bit as well because we we haven't had to change, you know. And I don't just mean in terms of remote working and how people want flexibility nowadays. It's it's really fundamental to what we're offering our clients and our businesses and and how we sort of fit the bill, because, you know, we might be doing new things that aren't in our budget. Um, or trying to change our pricing that we haven't charged for before. So um, yeah, there's a there's a lot to consider.
0: Sure, I'm going to do a deep dive on one of your pet topics, if you like, which is data finance analytics. And uh, why is this an important topic to talk about? Oh.
1: So, well, I've headed up sort of data analytics um, teams and uh, on the sort of the roles and the process side uh, within group finance teams in, in large enterprise. And I just see the value. I see the not only is it really sort of helpful to the business to offer a wider kind of view on on the data that you're providing, the information that you're providing maybe a more compelling view with some visualization as well. But I just see it as a really nice, creative, analytical job that so many accounting people might've thought they were getting into before they realized they were starting at the bottom of the ladder in a transactional role. And it was going to be quite a long time before they got into that uh, sort of juicy information and, and business partnering. So I, I just think it's a it's an opportunity just begging to be taken by a lot of people. I love you putting the words
0: creative and analytics together. It's uh, not something we normally associate, but you're absolutely right. Nobody wants to be chained to a desk looking at spreadsheets for 10 to 15 years to make partner or get on the board. So there's a lot of opportunities here. What, what are some of the main finance
1: analytical challenges you see for businesses these days, Chris? I would put these in two camps. So the real challenge is basically on the non-technical side. So I think people sort of think about analytics as being quite a technical area. We need technical resource, we need tools and data. Oh, what's this all about? A bit geeky, a bit nerdy. Absolutely, and accountants fit right in. <laughs> so I would say there's a there's a whole sort of technical challenge there, but that can be solved, and that can be solved pretty easily with the right technology, you know, the right understanding of the technology, the right skills. The biggest challenge, I think, in the sort of data analytics, finance analytics space is the, the awareness of what it is from a leadership point of view and the understanding of, you know, how to go about it to sort of create a capability, to create an asset in this new thing that you have. A lot of people talk about data as an asset and data value and all the rest of it. and But that only comes when you can kind of control the beast. So I think really the biggest challenge is, is sort of the CFOs, finance leadership teams, partners of firms, you know, really understanding the opportunity that data analytics can bring. Um, and I, I would argue there's a, there's an immediate um, need for it in practice and it's it's not being taken. Other people are actually taking it for you. You know, small business analytics companies are starting to pop up to fill that gap because practices aren't offering it, they can't get their heads around it. But also on the industry side, um, there might be other other teams within your organisation who are starting to pick up financial analytics when they're not even in finance. They're reporting the numbers and they're not even in finance so we have to get our heads around this it's a massive opportunity but i see the real challenge is more of that sort of leadership challenges as to to even recognize you need to go on this journey
0: there's so much data in accounting firms now coming from the vendors that data needs analyzing and more than analyzing and reporting it needs the narrative put to that that makes sense for the business owners to make good decisions there's got to be i suppose a a good combination a good blend of the data and the analytics and the storytelling hasn't there
1: yeah and that, that's what makes this role creative you know it might be weird for people to think oh, i've got a creative role in accountancy and it's not <laughs> that that sort of stuff um <clears throat> you know leave that to the tax specialist but um no this is about you know providing information to our clients that they might not necessarily be thinking of. Yeah. Um, and providing information to our clients and, and to our business lines of business, you know, budget holders in a way that they can really get it. Um, and it will mean a different way of working. You know, the 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 sort of technicalities of data visualization, I think a lot of people just sort of shrug it off. It's like, oh, we, we do charts, Chris, we know how to do charts. Thank you very much. But it's you know there's a whole science around it there's a whole brain science around you know visualization and um, we all know the difference between sort of you know good visualization and bad visualization you know can we understand what it's trying to say quickly there were loads of opinions about you know the pandemic kind of charts and graphs that were being shown you know that that just goes to show it's not as easy as you think even if there is just a line graph there so there is information that could be presented in in a better way um, using these standards uh, and, but I think fundamentally there is again this sort of concept that needs to be understood that there is a process to go on for data analytics and it starts with understanding, you know, the decision that you're trying to make or the problem you're trying to solve. It doesn't start with the tools, which is where a lot of people go out shopping for tools. Um, what can tend to happen there is they buy the tool they give it to the team then it doesn't work quite right or the team don't know how to use it and then they start blaming the tool but actually it's probably that you haven't understood where you want to go with this tool you haven't changed your processes your approaches towards this tool so there has to be a real blend of you know of data of of tools of people of you know the non-technical um data skills you know the problem solving the, the the context that you need to bring with the data analytics all of that is packed in there which makes it a really exciting opportunity
0: what are some of the big trends you're seeing in this area what's
1: happening in this world that cfos and accounting practitioners should be aware of the biggest trend is that people are realizing that they have to do this you know with any technology that comes out there's always this sort of hype curve um and you get people sort of completely overestimating what you can do with this technology and even our, our driverless cars you know we've expected them to be here very soon but they're not but there's this big hype curve for every bit of technology i think it's called amari's law if you want to go and look that up and but what's actually happened is that we've matured our view you know we've heard the messaging we've started to realize yes there is a benefit to these tools yes there is a benefit to data analytics so i think the biggest trend really is that we're starting to get it we're starting to understand that it isn't about this hype message. It's about going to learn how to apply a data analytics process or how to create good data visualization. Um, and then there may be a technical skill set that we need to learn separate to those non-technical processes and skills. But most people have no awareness of what this subject's all about. So that's really the first thing, the acknowledgement that, you know, if we we need to go on this journey, we need to start training people in this subject.
0: There's so much coming up, though, isn't there, Chris? You talk in in your sessions around end-to-end data and analytics cloud platforms, all these new concepts. There's a lot
1: to stay on top of. There is a lot to stay on top of, but I would say, you know, keep it simple. So as always, um, uh, talking to to your kind of audience directly, uh, there's a lot of apps out there that you can go and plug and play and, and buy. Now, that's a great start. And I know that some people are very happy with those tools. And, you know, I credit all of those founders who have set up those organizations. I think they've been they've been amazing in our industry, but it's part of the journey. So I would say buying an app, you know, is great, but it's sort of buying something that's fairly fixed or fairly sort of standard. So if you want to then, you know, build this capability or start selling a service to a client, then you may need to be thinking differently about the people, the tools, the response times, you know, how you're going to actually create this capability and that might require different tools and, you know, different approach. You know, some people are sort of almost like a technology broker, you know, we'll buy this app and we'll charge you for that app. And, you know, we can get our heads around charging that. But there are power of analytics. It depends what you're trying to solve, but it could be, you know, thousands of pounds rather than tens of pounds that you've just shown someone that you can sort of help them with a decision on. So there is a lot to sort of get our heads around, I think, from the technology side. But don't start there. Just start with talking to your clients, talking to your businesses about, you know, the problems that that they need to solve. But one of the biggest blockers to that is that this whole model within practice is about charging out your hours. And it it almost stops dead that, that sort of trial and error, that test and learn, that innovation sort of process. How... And I sort of talk to the partners now. It's like, how, you know, are you allowing your team to sort of go on this journey if everything they do has to be charged out against something that you're currently charging? Because this could be a new service to you. And in industry, people are starting to say, well, we almost need an R and D approach, or we need, you know, a more flexible approach to how we're delivering, so that we can find that time. You're challenging the billable hour here, Chris. People have tried to do this for years, and accountants haven't changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an expert enough to sort of really go down that that rabbit hole. All I would say is you've got a product that's been commoditized. Okay, accept that and move on. What else are you going to do? You know, if the billable hour is the way to go, then then you know keep keep that. But billable hour in analytics services. I don't think it's a problem with the data analytics and it's not a problem that the business doesn't want it or understand what they're trying to buy. It's an identity shift for the firms and the accountants because they are thinking in a particular way. So how do I charge this? Who does this? How do I provide this information service? Go and look outside your own organization because there are organizations out there that are providing these BI services directly to probably your own clients Because you're not. And is it a huge stretch for that company to set up and provide these BI services? No, it really is about identity and and about a a shift. And, you know, maybe you do need someone who can just own it and lead it and have the flexibility to create it while everybody else is charging by the hour and, and, you know, doing 60 hours billable or whatever it is. But we have to address that issue as well if you're going to make that change. And it is the same in industry. There's a lot of conversation about how these things are funded and charged and a lot of wooden dollar conversations between, you know, does this department have the cost or does that department have the cost? It's like, well, we've already spent it. So, you know, what's the point? You know, delivering the service because it's providing value to a business, that's the starting point. And I'm sure you work out a price, your accountants. I'm thinking as well of the
0: value of real-time insights. We have to respond so quickly to emerging trends, events that are happening right now. Accountants, CFOs can't afford to be reactive with what's going on. So the power at which we get data and can analyze that—that's a game changer,
1: isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know why do we have prime-time ads for zero and QuickBooks and the like nowadays? You know, it's because they're, they're making a huge amount of money. But that is an innovation kind of example there that we could all learn from. Is the benefit changing the accounting industry or changing how we've done accounting? No, the benefit is moving to the cloud. The benefit is creating a standard API so that we can transact in a particular way and plug into all this data and find all this data. So they've kind of fixed the problem for us that we didn't even know we had. And now we've gone, all right, we need all this data. So they're, they're one step ahead of us. But, you know, we could start doing that on the data analytics side as well. We could start thinking, well, what data do we need for our clients? What decisions do we need to make for our clients? What tools do we need for our clients? Okay, let's go and do that. Let's go on that journey. Let's start charging it out. And the real-time nature of it is, I think, almost more important on a sort of small business side because, you know, everyone's worried about cash. Everyone's sort of making decisions that they have to probably fund immediately rather than, you know, going to a... A sort of funding committee, and then being given a million to go and play with. But and in the industry, they're more operational use cases. You know, the the operations teams might need to make in-flight decisions. You know, discount within a day to get rid of stock or whatever it is. All those things are happening um, within industry as well. But I think the real-time nature of things is is powerful. But that said, it's not the be-all and end-all because you know I don't need to have real-time information if I can't affect that decision in real time. If I only make the decision once every month, then I only need the information once a month. What are your
0: thoughts, Chris, on the security of data? There's a lot of safety implications here, isn't there? As we
1: compound the data, there's a lot more of it, so there's a lot more at risk. Yeah, I think this might be one of the blockers, actually, with people going into data analytics or just even exploring this new area. Because as risk managers, I would say it's all on a spectrum, but maybe we're more risk averse we're certainly trying to find risk and report risk and whether we we're on audit where we're managing audit risk or in industry where we're looking for risks um operational risks you know we have that sort of risk um professional skepticism built into us so it's it's quite sort of daunting for us to say right okay let's let's invite risk in you know information risk cybersecurity risk gdpr risk whatever it is and and it can make us feel, you know, a little bit uncomfortable. This isn't what we're meant to be doing. We're meant to be getting rid or reducing risk. But, but actually, there's a bigger benefit. You know, if we have to move to the cloud, I don't think anyone now is thinking anything other than cloud. And I think all of the concerns about cloud, which you know, only a few years ago about data security and the like, you know, that's all gone away. I think people do want to know where the, their cloud servers are. But I think that's probably it from a, um, a finance point of view. That's a, more of a legal point. But the the risk is is sometimes, you know, putting people off. But I think that, again, is a lag, lack of education rather than the fact.
0: These are some great insights into the challenges and opportunities with data analytics. Just get your crystal ball out to finish, Chris. What is next for financial data analytics over the next year, five, 10 years? What should finance leaders, accountants be keeping their eyes open for?
1: I think it's going to become core to our profession. You know, there's a lot of debate at the moment about the shape of our profession. You know, should audit be within accountancy? Should it be a separate profession? I think one thing's for sure. If you went into accounting to help businesses, you know, be a business manager, maybe one day be the boss or your own boss, then business analytics, finance analytics is going to be core to that. Um, I think we're going to probably see a, a formalization of that within our profession. You know, the accounting institutions are starting to bring this into the exam syllabus. It's done, I would say, fairly badly at the moment, and it's only for a couple of marks and I don't think that's the right approach you know we we have to learn this and give it the respect that it needs and actually talking about sort of easy solutions and low code no code is a bit of a red herring Um, we actually do need to learn something here we do need to go on the finance analytics journey and we actually will benefit from it massively so you know don't sort of compromise on it Um, don't look for easy solutions you know just go and provide the best information that you can and be the best communicator that you can and By default, you'll be the the best partner to your your clients and your business.
0: Love that. You almost took my last question away from me. I wanted you to leave us at the accountants, the CFOs, the financial professionals listening with some words of encouragement, almost a call to arms. They're fighting for relevance. They're fighting for influence. They're trying to make a difference in the businesses and firms, clients that they serve. Communication is a big part of it managing the data and the tools is a big part of it. What would be your parting message to those?
1: I would say get closer to your clients, not further away. <laughs> yeah, get closer to the business, if you're listening to this from an industry point of view. Yeah, stakeholders, all of those people. Yeah, absolutely. The closer you get to them, the more you understand them, the more you'll be able to you know, offer to them, the more you'll be able to solve for them. And if that means sitting with them for a bit, then do that. Um, I, being curious yeah absolutely you know ask ask as many questions as you can i, I get away from the, the the sort of client being someone not to engage with and you know to have one chat with every six months because that's what's on the costing sheet you know I, I think we've got to look further than that and i know a lot of partners would challenge me on that but you know if you want to build your business and keep your clients and the client demand is moving you, you've got to you've got to go with it
0: yeah, terrific. And if people want to join generationCFO.com, how do
1: they go about that? What do they find there, Chris? So they can go onto the, the website and sign up to our, our newsletter. They'll hear about all of the educational stuff, the summit that's coming up in June, the awards that we do as well, just to celebrate people. Or you'll find me on on LinkedIn. That's my my major channel. And we've we've got the LinkedIn group there, as I said. There's one for industry and there's kind of one for small business and, and firms, which is small, but it's it's um I think around six thousand in the group at the moment. It's not small. Chris argent
0: from Generation CFO, that's been great. Thanks so much for your time today. is Rob. Thanks for inviting me.